Hey, Tara on iHeartRadio, unplugged and totally uncut with Dave Stewart. Sweet dreams are made of these. Who am I to disagree? This has got to be an exciting day for you that you get the opportunity to, to talk to the people that basically their careers are because of what you did in the 1980s. You gave us a platform to play off from and to be entertainers. Ah, well, I wasn't doing it on purpose. By default. <laughs> Your book is is fascinating in the way that it gives us an opportunity to study who you are now. And it's not the typical American Top 40 vibe that we used to get through the radio, but we get to see you. Ah, well, thanks. I mean, uh, what I've attempted to do was to take the reader on a journey or the listener, if you buy the audiobook with me, and what I experienced, which was mind-blowing from this kid from the northeast of England to be suddenly in the room or in the back of a car or on a weird journey with Bob Dylan or Mick Jagger or Stevie Nicks or all these characters that we all, you know, have got, you know, idea about who they are through their songs and interviews, but I try to take them a bit further inside of that, you know. still find it shocking to see these photographs or these mental images of Dylan, Elton John, and Stevie Nicks and everybody? Um, well, I didn't put the shocking ones so much in. <laughs> <laughs> they're not, I put the not-so-shocking ones in. Uh, some of them, you know, I took these photos myself. Some of them, I'm in them with them. It is really difficult, I think, for anybody to look back and think, wow, that really happened, you know? Even people who are listening who had a marriage breakup, for instance, and they've got their old photos of their marriage and photos of their life with that person and with the children. And to look at them and really take it in that that really happened because, you know, time is a jet plane, as Bob Dylan says, and it's a very unusual uh, thing, you know, to have witnessed all of this stuff and managed to put it in, in a document, a book, and then read it myself and go, holy, I'll swear on the radio. <laughs> All of that happened to me. I better take something. poets of all time and your imagination and your connection to every single instrument you your imagination had to have been on fire well you know the funny thing was that when i was working with uh, bob dylan well we weren't actually working we were locking around he he it was more to do with like filming stuff so he would ring me you know he rang me at midnight uh, woke me and my wife up and he goes, hey, hey Dave, I've got an idea, like we make a film tomorrow. And this is in London and I'm like, a film? I didn't bother asking what it was about. I just, okay, this is going to be great. And so I woke up and in a panic hired a top hat. And when Bob arrived at my house, I said, hey, I've hired a top hat. He goes, perfect. <laughs> and now we went off and making these crazy films on a canal boat and all around the streets and <laughs> honestly our conversations in between 
you know, were very surreal. Fortunately, I knew a lot of the writers, poets, painters, and filmmakers he was talking about. So we got on like a house on fire and had many other interesting times. Your, your life is like an Andy Warhol, that, that it was like, I accept collaboration. I just want to sit here and listen to people talk, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring something from it. Yeah, that's exactly right. In fact, in my book, if you look at one page, I'm actually wearing Andy Warhol's wig, interviewing a naked girl. <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, I actually became Andy Warhol for a little while. It was while the British art movement was happening, and Damien Hirst was doing my album cover, and all the arts were there, and I thought... Oh, I'll be I'll be Andy Warhol then, and so all of them came round my apartment, and so many insane things happened in that apartment, and the apartment was crazy looking anyway, and I actually did become Andy. In fact, one time I was walking down the street in New York, and Lou Reed and Laurie Anderson were ahead of me because I was hung out with the two of them, and Lou turned around and said, "Hurry up, Andy, you're lagging behind," you know. So he kind of. And he told me quite a few stories about Andy Warhol. And yes, it is similar. Like, you can create a situation or an atmosphere and allow people to do things in it. And it's almost like you're allowing them back into the playpen, you know, uh, and forget about, you know, who they are and, and worrying about anything and just play. You've never been afraid of exploration. I was that 7 to Midnight radio jock in the 1980s on an AM station that needed your music so I would have listeners, and we always depended on your creative flow. Oh, well, that's an amazing thing to know. Um, you know, we were about the same time you were doing that, we were in a tiny little room somewhere, either in London or Paris, about eight foot by eight foot with an eight, eight track tape recorder, just having the really good fun making all these weird songs that were sounded happy but had very sad or melancholy lyrics and amazing sort of beats and rhythms. And it's amazing to know that through the airwaves, it connected with people in their homes. I would have loved to have been on the wall, a fly in the wall, with, during your moments with Candy Dolfer, because to this day, Lily is still just an incredible piece of music. Never changed it. That was it. Who's that girl? 
sound always has been your strength, but I know there's a different side to you now because of this book that, that your strength is, is just you being you and everything else just participates with you. It's a little bit like um, understanding that you can stand inside the vortex at the center and let everything whiz around you and come to you as opposed to running around trying to get it, if you know what I mean. And so tunes can come to you, riffs, songs, people, and uh, that that's what I kind of learned to do over the years. So um, I had a very interesting time by almost staying in the same place, like in my apartment or in a church studio or in Los Angeles, and the doorbell would ring and it was always an interesting person. It could be Helmut Newton one minute or uh, Robin Williams the next at the doorbell, you know. And uh, it sounds bizarre, you'd have to read the book to understand how and why, but it was all absolutely true. It's almost like you're a universal magnet. And even when we're watching the videos and everything like that, when it was on MTV, it was we were so drawn to that screen. Well, you know, we didn't really think we were making so much videos because we'd already started making these little films without realizing there was an MTV. And it was like a perfect uh, moment in time when somebody said, hey, there's this thing called MTV and you should send in your film. And of course... By then we'd made a few, we just held them back and we made Love as a Stranger, Sweet Dreams, Here Comes the Rain Again. And MTV were welcoming them with open arms because they didn't have much content. But when they started playing them on MTV, it was just like a rocket taking off because I don't think people had heard or seen stuff quite like it. If you could see me when we're torn apart My hotel room's like a zoo Your creativity, is it a connection to the heart or is it that you're waiting for the visual of how people are going to react after they see what comes from you? Well, um, it's a kind of vision first and a vision, but it's a a vision about something that is probably quite surreal and difficult to explain. And then usually it's how do I interpret that vision into something simple that people will get? Like Tom Petty says, don't bore us, get to the chorus. It's like, okay, I might have a wild vision that involves, you know, a thousand naked people dancing through the woods, but how do I interpret that into a guitar riff, you know? When I'm thinking about it, I thought, what the hell did I do with the guitar? I should have took the guitar and ran into the woods with him. <laughs> By the way, in Seattle, at, at their Museum of Music up there, they, they take Sweet Dreams and they give you the opportunity to see if you can mix it like you guys did. And it, it is such a great interactive. That's right. You know, I, I put that out there for Paul. You know, Paul 
asked me and uh, Paul Allen, and uh, so you are, you do have the real thing there, all the tracks. And uh, it's funny, one time I was there when it was first there, and there were, it was like one of those Woody Allen moments where there was about eight kids in there all fighting to do it, and it was, they had it sounding really awful, like, you know, they had everything treble turned on. And I stepped in and I said, no, hang on a minute, I'll show you how it's done. And they were like, hey, what do you know? Get to the back. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a fun time on this journey, haven't you? Yeah. Sweet dreams are made of the hills. Who am I to disagree? I travel the world and the seven seas. Everybody is looking for something. Sweet dreams are made of the hills. Who am I to disagree? I travel the world and the seven seas. 